0: We almost always cure mice of cancer, but the same treatment often fails in humans. Is it the mouse model? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157. I am your host, Dr. Bruce Bluton, and joining us to discuss a new mouse model that manifests all the major hallmarks of human metastatic cancer is Dr. Thomas Seafried, Associate Editor of the Journal of Nutrition and Metabolism and Professor of Biology at Boston College. Dr. Seafried, welcome to ReachMD.
1: Thank you, Bruce. It's a real pleasure to be here.
0: So that was a mouthful, the new mouse model that manifests all of the major hallmarks of human metastatic cancer. So how did you decide to try and create a mouse like this?
1: Well, you know, it's one cannot create a mouse model like this through any kind of genetic engineering, at least not to this point. The, the mouse that we there are there's a strain of mouse called the VM strain of mouse and it's developed spontaneous brain tumors at a higher frequency than any other mouse strain that's that's available. These tumors have a lot in common with human astrocytomas. We were able to identify, We, we had to, first we had to raise a large number of mice and look carefully for those that developed the spontaneous brain tumors, and you can see that by their changed behavior. What we did differently from all other studies is that we selected the study, we selected the, 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 for the tumors in vivo by taking tumors from the original observed mouse and implanting the tumor tissue itself into the brain of other mice we were able to select for the kinds of cells that were responsible for the, for the tumor. And in doing this, we made a, a very interesting observation that, that I've never seen before, is we, we usually implant into the flank of the mouse to grow more tumor tissue for biochemical analysis. It turned out that every mouse that we implanted into the flank developed systemic metastatic cancer back to the brain as well, all organ systems. And I, I immediately recognized that this was something that was absolutely astonishing. So we developed that and exploited, and found these cells.
0: And what happens with other mouse models? So you put cancer cells in the flank, and they just stay there; they never metastasize.
1: Well, most of the models are—they're called local tumor growths—and you'll see this for most of your human xenograft models and things like this. They'll have local invasion, perhaps, but they generally do not show. In fact, they, there's no model that will show systemic metastatic cancer from flank implantation of the tumor cells or pieces of tissue. There are some that will will metastasize to uh, one or two organs, but never show systemic metastasis back also to the brain. So this distinguishes the model from all others. And many metastatic models require the injection of the cells directly into the circulation of the mouse in order to get them to see different organs. This model does not require that. So it embodies, it has retained the capacity to intravasate naturally from tissues or from subcutaneous implants or in orthotopic site, the brain site itself. And does it matter what
0: kind of cells you implant in the flank of these mice, prostate, colon, breast, does it
1: matter? The, the interesting thing about the when, when we tried to well, our, our advance was in, in identifying what are these kinds of cells that behave similar to what you see in human systemic metastatic cancer. Now, we, they arose in the brain. It's generally known that brain tumors do not generally metastasize outside of the brain to other organs. This is only because the patients who have these tumors usually die, but it's been recognized that some of the aggressive human brain tumors will metastasize. This is seen from organ transplant patients and a variety of other reports in the literature. It turns out that the cell is of macrophage origin. It's the local macrophage, the microglial cell. That is the origin of this, which embodies this uh, very aggressive behavior to invade and metastasize.
0: Take us through some of the technical research that you did in order to identify this particular cell. How did that come up?
1: Well, well I, I would say the first, the first thing that we noticed in, in finally culturing these cells and saying, you know, what kind of cells are these? They wouldn't come off the culture dish. And I could hear my students banging. I said, what is going on? They said, well, we can't free the cells from the culture dish. And that's one of the characteristics of a macrophage. They stick very aggressively. You have to scrape them off the dish in order to isolate them. Then we said, do you think it's possible that these things could be macrophages? So we then got some standard cell lines that that are macrophages and ran them in a a kind of a lineup uh, like you would do for criminals in a lineup and find out how many uh, characteristics do these metastatic cancer cells have in common with macrophages, and they were absolutely indistinguishable from from macrophages, except they rose in the brain, and the the endogenous macrophage in the brain is a microglial cell. So we, we identified them as microglial cells, But interestingly enough, it turns out that many metastatic cancers have characteristics of macrophages. So We don't think this is unique to the brain. We think this may be a general phenomenon for all metastatic cancers.
0: And how long did it take you to go from this initial observation to actually making this discovery of these macrophage-like cells that are metastatic?
1: Oh, it probably took us 15 years. And that's probably because it's very hard to isolate the, the tumors to find them. You need large numbers of animals. We were able to, to isolate tumors from several different independent mice arising at different times over different periods. And then when we isolate and characterize, we got the same results, only for the metastatic tumors. We identified other tumors that, have, that are stem cell-like in characteristic. But when you implant these cells, these stem cell-like tumors, into the flank, they grow only as a, as a large, rapidly growing mass, but they never show systemic metastasis. So we actually know that these mice produce different kinds of tumors, some of which are like stem cells, and some of which have these macrophage characteristics, which behave like human systemic metastatic cancer.
0: Well, there's a lot in the literature these days talking about different kinds of cancer cells and the different things that they do. So in human cancers, have we seen a similar evaluation of stem cell-like cancer cells, macrophage-like cancer cells, and others that just, you know, occupy a different strata?
1: Yeah, we've seen both. Our hypothesis of cancer is that it's a multicellular kind of disease. You have the rapidly growing stem cells, which represent one form of the cell in the growing tumor mass. But at some point, one of the local cells, the endogenous macrophage, either coming as as the local resident or one of the cells coming in from the circulation, becomes corrupted. And that is a different, fundamentally different kind of a cell than the stem cell population. Those are the cells that we think then eventually intravasate into the circulation and see different organs. And they will retain some of the characteristics from the original tumor from which they arose. So, we think most metastatic cancer is a disease of cells with macrophage properties. This is a fundamentally different kind of a, a concept and it also explains why it's been so difficult to actually deal with metastatic cancer. If we're correct in our hypothesis, the macrophage is the most powerful cell in the body. It, in body, it is like the police force and fire department rolled into the same cell. This cell has the capacity to intravasate, extravasate from tissues at will because this is what it was designed to do. If this cell now becomes corrupted, it's clear why, uh, and and seeds multiple systems, it's clear why it's so difficult to control this.
0: And can this macrophage, then, when it gets to a distant site, can it become a stem cell-like cell and begin to grow tumor mass?
1: Well, it it grows tumor mass. There's no question about that. It will seed and invade into, into multiple organ systems. Whether it takes on some characteristics of the stem cell, we're not sure. We have only identified the cells aggressively entering into multiple different organs. We have not isolated those cells directly and uh, examined them, but from their markers on the surface, they seem to be similar to the same cells that were present. Now, the other thing you have to realize is we've isolated these cells in pure form now, whereas in humans you have mixtures of all kinds of different cells. So this represents the one... And the other thing that's important to mention is that the rate of growth of these highly metastatic cells is much, much slower than the stem cells. So there's tremendous differences in growth rate between the kinds of cells that make up the, the tumor, which is actually a society in itself of destabilized cellular constituents, not only from the tumor cells, but also from the host. So a really aggressive ones are usually more slowly growing than the less metastatic ones.
0: If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and joining me to discuss a new mouse model that manifests all of the major hallmarks of human metastatic cancer is Dr. Thomas Seafried, Associate Editor of the Journal of Nutrition and Metabolism and Professor of Biology at Boston College. So what are all the hallmarks of human metastatic cancer?
1: Okay, the first thing that you need is the local invasion of, of the tissue in which the tumor is growing. The second... Part is the intravasation, which is the entrance of the tumor cells into the circulation. You also have to have these cells also have to survive the immune system. Then they leave the bloodstream and extravasate into distant organs and continue to colonize distant organs, which we call secondary tumor formation in other organs. So this cell line, this, this, this model that we have, does all of this in an immunocompetent host, the natural host from which the, the tumor arose. So many models don't have this. They use xenograft. They use immune-compromised systems. They have, to inject, they have to inject cells into the circulation. So all of the hallmarks of human systemic metastatic cancer are embodied in these cells and in this host to make it very similar to what we see in
0: humans. And this mouse immune system, is it a good proxy for the human immune system? Would we expect the same thing to happen in the human?
1: Yes. The, the VM strain of mouse has a normal functional immune system. So this would be similar to what we would see in humans the human situation.
0: Now, you mentioned when these cells get into the bloodstream, they have to survive the immune system. Are macrophage-like
1: cells particularly good at that? They are excellent at that. They are part of the immune system. So you're not going to look at them as being foreign. As a matter of fact, there's been reports from scientists in in Italy showing that T-cells, which are part of the immune system, are actually eaten by these aggressive macrophages. So this is why these cells are so difficult to control, because they have incredible powers that they have evolved to behave in managing disease within the brain and putting out inflammatory conditions and infections. So these are pretty tough cells. And they also suppress the immune system as well. They, they have powerful immune suppressant effects. So this then becomes a real dangerous disease. And you mentioned
0: earlier you did a lineup of normal macrophages and these kinds of cells. So you must see some differences, though, that make these cancerous and the other ones not. What are those?
1: We haven't found that yet, and that's what was most astonishing. It appears from their biochemistry and their genetic profiles, at least at this point, they don't appear to be that different from normal from well, from well macrophages that are not thought to behave like this. So when one thinks of the number of genes that can create a metastatic, we don't think it's very many at all. Maybe just a couple of, of changes in a, in a normal macrophage could make it become tumorigenic, which then you don't have to anticipate hundreds of gene mutations to get one of these kinds of cells. Although that may be what's happening in some of the cells, it may not be happening in these cells. So we don't think this is, these cells already embody what they do naturally, it's just that they are dysregulated now and behaving like normal macro, they have the capacity to enter and exit tissues as part of their normal uh, genetic repertoire. It's just now that this is dysregulated.
0: What kinds of chemotherapies have you tested in the, this new metastatic mouse model, and what have you found?
1: Well, we haven't been able to cure it, that's for sure, when, uh, uh, not like a lot of other models. It's, uh, these are tough, tough things to, to control. We've used methotrexate, and we've used cisplatin, and like they find in humans, cisplatin is more effective in managing metastatic spread than is methotrexate. Methotrexate is not so effective in this system. It does have a little bit of an effect, but it doesn't block the systemic metastatic spread to all organs. Cisplatin was able to stop metastasis in this. The mice became sick, as they do, in as humans do. Interestingly enough, the tumor cells seem to hunker down and seem to be able to survive and still be alive in the presence of cisplatin. So we were not able to cure. We were able to stop spread to a number of organs, but it was not completely effective therapy. So
0: how do you see this new mouse model being helpful in leading to therapies?
1: Knowing that this is a a model for systemic metastatic cancer, the model is ideally suited for defining modalities that could stop metastatic spread, either intravasation, extravasation, distant metastatic spread. Is it possible? For how long can these drugs hold this tumor in check? It's a way to distinguish drugs that can be effective against metastatic spread as well as tumorigenesis. In combination with the other tumor arriving from the same strain, which grows very rapidly but is not metastatic, you can distinguish drugs that can target malignancy without metastasis or metastasis, uh, which differs from both being malignant and metastatic. So it's quite effective in distinguishing drugs that can target different aspects of the disease process.
0: Are there any macrophage-like other diseases that might be a good place for us to start looking at how to control these macrophage-like cancer cells?
1: Well, there's a number of cancers, human cancers, that have the same properties. This has been described for uh, aggressive malignant melanoma. Melanocytes are endogenous macrophages of the tissue, of the, of the skin. And malignant melanoma is a, a kind of a macrophage disease. Now, of course, people wonder what are the molecular mechanisms. Dr. Pawlik at Yale University has been working in this area. He, he thinks metastatic cancer is a fusion between stem cell or cancer cell-like cells and, and macrophages, which you get then the genomic mix of two different kinds of cells. This is his hypothesis. It has been shown in small lung cell carcinoma, breast carcinoma, colon carcinoma, that many of the tumor cells have behaviors of macrophages. So we think this is not unique to the mouse. We think this is a general phenomenon that underlies metastatic cancer, and that is metastatic cancer appears to be in some people, in some cases, a disease of macrophages or macrophage-like cells. I'd like to thank our guest,
0: Dr. Thomas Seafried, for joining us to discuss a new mouse model that manifests all of the major hallmarks of human metastatic cancer. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For a complete program guide and podcast, visit www.reachmd.com. For comments or questions, call us toll-free at 888 M D X xm 157 And thank you for listening.